take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together right now on this hollow ground, we too will be destroyed. This is the Five Point Play Podcast, Die Hard and Duke Basketball Fans Podcast. It was a rough one Tuesday night against Michigan State inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. You could hear a pin drop, and that's not a good thing. AC, it just seemed a little bit weird watching that game with no fans. It It is, and, like, as a, as a player, as a coach, you're never going to – you're never going to allow there being no fans to be the excuse for why you play bad because I mean, the, the fans being there don't, they don't enhance your talent and they don't make you, they don't make you a better dribbler. They don't make you a better shooter, but there is something to the adrenaline rush you get out of playing in front of your people or even, you know, like that, that RJ and Zion squad playing in front of the other crowds when they're booing you and stuff and the adrenaline rush they got out of that. It's just one of those things where, there, there, there's a factor. Am, am I going to say that's the excuse for why we lost? No, there's other reasons why we lost and those things have to be fixed, but it's a factor right now, especially earlier in the season with a young team. Like for instance, like Shane Battier, Jason Williams, that squad fans or no fans, they would have been who they were. They, it wouldn't have mattered because of the cohesion they have and the unit that they were, but a team this young never played together before all those factors. It, it leads to something like this, man. And yeah, like, we lost by what six points in a six point loss in Cameron. Yeah, I, I think if the fans were there, I think there might have been you. You could see it. You could easily say there'd be a six point swing in there very easily. But again, we had other issues. We had other things that we need to do to get ourselves moving for the rest of the season. Because you know what, we can't use fans as, as an excuse because we're not going to have them all season. So it's either we're going to go to the NIT. Or and because there's no fans, or we just man the fuck up and we learn how to play the basketball without fans in the crowd. Dropping F bombs early in this one. Let's just <laughs> show you how we feel about that game on Tuesday night. AC, we shot extremely poorly, pretty mm-hmm. much all the way around. Wendell Moore, 0 for 9 between him, uh, DJ Stewart, who I think, you know, we correctly predicted would be having a type of. Uh, Luke Kennard, freshman like season, he was 0 for 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joey Baker, 0 for 3. You know, you, you just can't have an 0 for 19, you know, from that kind of 2-3 spot uh, and expect to, to to fare very well. Talk to us a little bit about the numbers. It was pretty ugly all the way around. Do you see any improvement coming? Oh, yeah, I definitely see improvement because this team – it, they're they're good. They're all good basketball players. So we're not going to shoot twenty one percent from three all season. We better not anyway. I mean, if if we do shoot twenty one percent from three all season, then sure, let's go ahead and pack it up. Like because that's what's that's what's about to happen. But this team, they're better shooters than that. They're better players than that. And we spread the floor well enough and have enough distributors to to be able to change that stat around. So we just got to figure out what it's going to take to get those shots to start falling. Whether it's more shots in practice, whether it's just more game time. For some of these young guys and and more you know more of this time together on the floor because all of those things again all those things are factors. MSU, we we I talked about it all week. They are not great at defending the three, and they just kind of you know we just got the shots, and it wasn't even like they were letting us have them. We earned the three point shots we got, and we couldn't hit them. So that was a problem, man. And and us going thirty two percent from the field outside of three point shots, two point shots, thirty two percent. Not a good thing, especially when MS, uh, MSU is hitting 
And that's a big deal. And that's a big difference, especially again, when you only lose by six. And that's why I'm saying like the fan thing, cool, but that's a big difference. 51% to 32% and we lose by six. That's a big deal. All right. They out rebounded us 46 to 36 and looking possession by possession when they made their run and took the lead and then held the lead, they were capitalizing on chains of change of possession, steals, turnovers, re, uh, defensive rebounds. They capitalized on all of those things when they made their run. They got points out of them. They got to the free throw out of that. They got to the free throw line out of that. Sorry. They got layups out of it. That was a big deal. Again, we didn't do that. In the beginning, when we took the double-digit lead, we were doing that. We were changing possession, and we were scoring off of that. That's going to be a big thing with this team because I talked about it before. We lost the field goal battle, field goals taken battle, 63-62. to 62. This team, our team, is going to have to take more field goals than the other team to win most games this season. It's just the way we have to play because we're not, we're not a squad that's going to turn you over. We're not a squad that's going to get a bunch of blocks down low because we're not playing our big guys that can do that. So unless that changes, we're not going to generate enough field goals and efficient field goals to win games. So we have to take more field goals than the other team. That's that's a key for this team all season long. Outside of outside of the ACE acronym that we're, we're coming up with, the attacking, the communication, and the energy, outside of that whole thing, we have to generate more field goals for our team than the other squad. So that's a big deal. Like Coppin shot more shots than us. MSU shot more shots than us. We'll see if we can tar- start turning this thing around in the next two games, man, because we really need to we need we need to start making moves with that. Yeah, I thought it was very clunky. They were very disjointed. Uh that happened a lot in the Comp and State game. This was no different. And I think the first five minutes or so was kind of fool's gold. Because it's not like we were hitting a lot of shots. We missed, you know, some pretty point blank, you know, attempts at the at the rim. Where, you know, you knock down a couple of those, maybe one or two of them are and ones, and you can really blow this thing open. Sure, can... but we had better energy, too, in that early second. Sure, and did. like I said, we, we were to... our change of possession. We were we were changing possession and scoring. That's the difference. Like, and that's why we took that double digit lead. I don't think it's fool's gold. I think it's I think we did the right things, but we couldn't sustain. I, I say fool's gold because I don't quite think that we're good enough right now to sustain an effort like that for 40 minutes. So you, you, you kind of blow it out, you know, right out of the gates. And you say, oh, wow, that's a completely different team than I just saw a few days ago against Compton State. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's not. They, they still have no cohesion. Mm-hmm. They look like a bunch of five individual players out there that don't know where the other guy's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that a lot of that has to do with not having exhibition games, not having the, the typical training camp. Um and, and really trying to figure out who's who with when the lights are on. Because right. you can do whatever you want to do in scrimmages, but you know, when it comes down to you know playing with playing with you know the lights on, it's different. And then we talk about the energy factor. I thought a lot of guys had energy, but it wasn't really the right energy. Like you had Joey Baker and Matthew Hurt diving on the floor, but then you had like these stupid fouls that Joey would make and you know, Jalen Johnson, you know he wanted it so bad. He had that, you know, famous uh, interaction with uh, Hauser on mm-hmm. uh, during the offseason. And I think that that probably made Jalen Johnson press a little harder than he needed to yeah. um, instead of letting the game come to him. Uh, Wendell Moore, kind of the same thing. I thought, you know, uh, Jordan played better in the second half. But when we get up 10 and then K makes that sub- substitution, Bringing in, you know, a few new players, Jordan, Joey, and, and so forth. Um, we we kind of took a step back. 
instead of putting the foot on the gas and continuing, we took a step back. And so I just don't know right now what we're getting with this team. With any given lineup, with any given, you know, sequence of players, I just have absolutely no idea from, from one possession to the next what, I, what I'm going to get. Well, I think I think we do know. I think we do know what we're going to get. I think we, or at least I think we know what we need to get. We know what we need to get. We don't know what we're going to get because K is going to run the team how he runs the team. He's not going to listen to any of us. He sh- clearly shouldn't because he's the best basketball coach of all time. However, it doesn't I don't take. Know. I, 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 have some, I have some pretty good ideas. Oh, yeah. Like number one, Jamin Brakefield. How about that? Let's throw that out there in the world because Jamin hey. Brakefield balled. He was one, he and Matt Hurt were the only two that did what they needed to do down low to even try to give us a chance. And I mean, there were, there were possessions in the second half where you saw Matt and or Jamin jumping, jumping for rebounds as a singular white Jersey. And then there were three green, three or four green jerseys around them, tipping the ball away, grabbing boards and heading down to the other side of the floor or putting the ball back up on an offensive rebound. Like that cannot happen, man. Like you can't have five, four, four and five white jerseys standing on the perimeter watching the game happen. So we need to fix that. But I think that, where we do struggle is right now we have a bunch of guys that really aren't communicating as they as they should, and it really hurts us in all facets of the game, including in transition. I think guys are not sure where the other is going to be. I feel like our point guard situation is kind of in flux. Mm-hmm. And so what I really want to talk about now in our next segment, speaking of transition, is we spoke about it You know, before we tipped off our first game that Kay was going to try a bunch of different lineups. And I fully expect AC to be tomorrow night against Bellevue, a third starting lineup in three games. I, I, I expect there to be a third different starting lineup, and I expect Jamie Brakefield to be in that starting lineup. I said on this podcast a week or so ago that toward the end of the year, I could see that guy potentially mm-hmm. being in our starting lineup. I did not anticipated being this early and I, I I think that half of it's for the right reasons and the other half is a little scary. So gimme Roach gimme Roach, gimme Goldwire, Brayfield, Jalen Johnson, and Matthew Hurt Friday night. And I, and I think you're I think you're spot on with that. I could still see I could still see instead of Roach, I could still see put K putting Wendell in the starting lineup. I can see that I can see that yeah. happening. And I honestly like both of those guys are giving us about the same right now. And, and you know, it is what it is. But if if that is, you know, that you you were right. Like you talked about that before, like Brakefield in the starting lineup. And I was like, I, I hadn't even we and on that podcast, I was even like, I hadn't even thought about that lineup. And and here we are with it. It's like, oh man, yeah, you're like you're you were exactly right. And and it was the thing about Jamin was we, he just he never really showed a particular skill set on anything, but the skills that he does have are they're solid. It's just he's not you know he's not great at anything. But dude, I mean if he doesn't if he doesn't play his ass off, dude, like it's like I don't know what man like that dude he plays hard and it's like I don't know if he's playing for a spot in the league. I don't know if he's just playing for a spot in the rotation trying to prove something or what, or if that's just him. That's how he's gonna play. But I love it and I want to keep seeing it because the 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 skill set he has like he he had a nice little move he ended up getting fouled on it he was coming off that left hand side he went behind the back on I can't remember who the defender was it might have been Malik Hall he went to the lane gave him a nice little hezzy to the behind the back and would have scored easily but Malik Hall tripped him because he couldn't catch up with him 
And dude, that was an amazing move. And I was like, holy cow, like I didn't know he had that in his bag. Like it was one of those things. It's like, okay, all right, I can I can see you, Jamin. Like, all right. So it's like he has he definitely has skills. He knocked down a three. He was he was trying to rebound as best as he possibly could against against four Michigan State defenders. And you know, he 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 did what he possibly could do out of it. You know what I mean? So you can't expect him to hustle any more than that. So if he's gonna give us that type of effort and and that type of ability, and, and absolutely, man, put him in the starting starting lineup the rest of the season, please, because the energy he brings is going to start us out in games with that energy that we need, and and we need to be able to sustain it after that. But but I think you're right, man. I think I I, I think Goldwire is back in the starting lineup after this game. He he brought Louisville Goldwire. We just didn't have Zion and RJ and Cam to to finish the comeback off, but. You know, he he was full court pressing. He was turning the ball over or turning them over and, and doing all the things he needed to do to get us back in that game. And, you know, you know, I mean, it was just too little too late because it happened five minutes until the end of the game. So, you know, this, the starting five that I think we'll see, I think we'll see Goldwire. I think we'll see more. I think we'll see Breakfield. I think we'll see Jalen. And I think we'll see Hurt. And quite honestly, I after this game, and I don't, I don't care what happens around it. I don't care if Jamin goes 0 for 20. I don't care if Jalen goes, you know, 10 for 100 the next two or three games. Like, seriously, I, I don't want to see a situation like we had last year where we had 19 different starting lineups. I want to see this be our final starting lineup. This squad is so young with so much inexperience. They, you know how many points we return from NCAA tournament experience? Check this out. 18. NCAA and ACC tournament, 18 points return, and they're all from Joy Baker and Jordan Goldwire, all right, and two from Mike Buck, uh, Buckmeyer. So we have no one who has NCAA tournament experience, even though they played college last year, you know, based on what happened. We have no one who has that type of wherewithal to be like, in these types of games, this is what we need to do, because they've always had better guys to rely on in those situations. So this team needs to be able to build something together. So I I don't want to see a bunch of starting lineups the rest of the season. Like if you if you switch out Jordan and Jeremy later on because Jeremy shows that he's clearly better, cool. I'm down with that. But I don't need to see the entire lineup being shuffled in and out. I don't need to see Joey Baker in the starting lineup anymore. DJ Stewart said he preferred to come off the bench because he can see the game happen. So I'd rather see him come off the bench then if that's what he needs. You know what I mean? So I, I don't need to see a bunch of different changes in our lineup. Let's get a lineup under our belt by the time December ends and let's run with it. Good or bad, win or lose, we need to run with that because this team needs cohesion. Yeah, cohesion is the word that, you know, that I think we're going to start using more and more uh, on this podcast. You know, Is that our drinking getting... word on this one? Is that our right, shots word this, this year for the podcast? Say, every, time, every time we hear cohesion, we're going to start taking a shot. What was it last year? It was uh, versatility last year. Versatility. And where I thought we had versatility this year, and I'll touch on that in the next segment, um, cohesion is really what we need. So uh, we're not drinking on this podcast because it's in the middle of the day, but we will in the next one. Well, you might not be, but... <laughs> uh, you hey, might hey, not hey, be. hey, 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 <laughs> hey, All right. So AC, uh, take a little sip of that. But no, I completely agree with you. I, I think that that's exactly what this team needs. I, you know, I was... I wouldn't say horn on uh, Jordan Goldwire in the last podcast, but I was more realistic. And I still think that uh, if we want to get to where we want to uh, eventually, whether it's this year or next year, um, I think you got to live with the growing pains that Jeremy Roach is going mm-hmm. through. And we expected that. Yep. We expected yep. him to go through some growing pains, and he's going to learn from it. So I want him in the starting lineup going forward. His ceiling in, is so in, much higher in, than Jordan. His ceiling it, it, it is so is. much and higher. We, and, 
and we need we need that uh, yep. again. Whether it's for this year or next, I, I I need to see him out there, and I need to grow with it because uh, pause because the the reality is is that he is going to be our point guard. He's going to be that guy. He has the keys. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan is a nice complimentary guy. I think that Absolutely. he's earned his uh, next start. Um, but when they're talking Jalen Johnson, Matthew Hurt, you know that they're going to be there. And honestly, um, you know, he only got four minutes in the first game, Jamin Bradfield. But what he did, uh, he made the most of his 15 minutes against Michigan State. You know, what I loved about him was his energy. Yep. He never backed down, even when yep. Duke was down 15, 16 points. He was the guy leading the huddles. And I saw, you know, some of the older guys looking at him being mm-hmm. like, okay, I mean, maybe this guy's, you know, going to be leading us. Yep. And who would have expected that? And I, I, I actually marked that down when I was watching this game because I was like, that, that's the leader right there. Mm-hmm. You know, because when the lights do come on, um, it's, it's not about, you know, what you've done in practice. It's like when those lights come on and you step between those lines, what are you giving me? Are you scared out there or are you going to give me the, the full effort? And that's what I'm seeing from Brayfield. So I Absolutely. like him in the starting line, line of going forward. Now, if Wendell is gonna gonna be there, that's great. Uh, but I, I think it would be good for him to come off the bench in this next game, maybe sit back, calm himself down, and, and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm with you here. Cohesion-wise, we, we have none, and and we need yeah. it. And the other part of this is the other part. You know, re- rebounding is an issue for this team. It's it this this the rebounding on this team reminds me very much of those late 2000s era. Duke teams with like Kyle Singler as a freshman at center, like Josh McRoberts, some of those guys. Like it, it reminds me so much of those teams where we used to just get we. It was just expected that we were going to be out rebounded, and it led to a lot of big losses for us. And it was one of the reasons why we couldn't advance in the tournaments because we couldn't grab boards, we couldn't secure rebounds, and we couldn't defend the paint. And we have three of those guys sitting rotting on the bench. Not even rotting. It's two games in, so excuse me for the rhetoric and the hyperbole. But we have three guys sitting on the bench right now and Henry Coleman, Mark Williams, and Patrick Tape, more so Henry and Mark, that you can't tell me that what we've been the effort we've been showing and putting on the court, those guys cannot earn some time. And I don't like we talked about before about how they're specialists and against small teams and everything, we might not be able to put them in the game. You know what? I'm I'm calling BS on myself on that because when you have guys that are talented and you are a talented team, it shouldn't matter what the matchup is. We are a good enough team, and we are truly a good team and a team that can advance and move forward in the NCAAs, then we should be able to put Henry Coleman and Mark Williams on the floor for stretches, especially when we need rebounds and defense in the paint because we were getting murdered, and those guys didn't even look at the scorer's table. I don't like that at all. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you. Um, you know, when we're getting crushing on the glass, uh, it begs the question, you know, why not try something different? It is early, uh, and I, I can't get in the mind of Kay, so I don't know what he's thinking there. Um, you well, know, I'll tell you, like, he, so school. you have a rotation, right? Before the game starts, you have a plan in mind, and if the plan was not sure. to have those guys play because you assumed because you, you assume that what you're going to do is going to work and you have backup plans for when it doesn't work and you have backup right, plans right, after yeah. those backup plans, right? So Henry okay. and Mark were clearly not a part of those backup plans. Mark got in a little bit in that first half when we had that big lead. So clearly that was like if K in, in the practice, K said, okay, if we get this lead, Mark's going to come in and we're going to try to get some rim protection and rebounds out of him. And it didn't happen. And then they started coming back and he had to come out of the game. But moving forward, like 
that's in the past. Can't talk about the past anymore, right? Moving forward, there has to be a spot somewhere for Henry and Mark. So, okay, so let's talk about the rotation then. Let's segue to that. It's our rotation has to be what what group of players on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. We we already know that you know Matthew Hurt, Jalen Johnson, Goldwire, Wendell Moore, I think. Uh, Jeremy Roach, DJ Stewart, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we, we both assume that Brayfield is going to be there now. Outside of that, now, now what are we doing? Do you see Coleman? Do you see Mark Williams, Tape? Do you see Joey Baker? You tell me what you see this rotation being. I think outside of, so we, so we got those five, right? We talked about those five. So it was really six. Stewart, Goldwire, Brayfield, Johnson, Hurt, and Moore. So that's six right there, right? And then at some point, you gotta have, you know, you you gotta have a shooter. You gotta have a shooter. This team need, desperately needs a shooter. Joey desperately needs confidence. So I I think you have to keep putting him out there and allowing him to figure it out. I think I I don't think he can. I don't think he'll destroy the team. Like he's not gonna destroy the team by being out there. He's going if if he can shoot, he's going to help the team more than he's hurting the team right now. If that makes sense. So you got to keep putting him out there, and you got seven right there. I think this team, you know, we'll, we, we're going to talk about this in a minute in, in, in one of our new segments. But basically, I'll, I'll leave it at this. I will say somewhere along the line, you have to find in, in your plan for the week, for the games you're about to play, in your plan, you have to include Mark and Henry in there, not for 20 minutes, not for 25 minutes. you got to include them for 10 minutes, 8 to 10 minutes, of just solid, just beat the other team up, get rebounds, block shots, foul them if you need to block the shot and foul them. Well, they do what you got to do. Do not let them get these easy buckets that Michigan State was getting against us because they shot 51% from two, and none of those were mid-range jumpers. They were all at the basket. We have uh, guys I on have, the bench that can stop that. Uh, yeah, that, there was multiple times where I thought that they were just beating us up inside. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, this would be a perfect opportunity to throw in in Coleman. Yeah, you know, just see what well, we got. At minimum, there, man. Yeah, and, and minimum he fouls out in four minutes, but at right. least you know, at least you bruise him up a little bit. A little um, bit, right? And, it's like the you know, Derrick Henry and, method, right? Derrick Henry, like for the beginning of games, Derrick Henry runs for like two yards a game, but he's he's a six five monster, just constantly battering the defense. And by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, he's running for like. 20, 20 yards of carry, you know what I mean? Like, it's that same kind of concept. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, and speaking of, of of that, let's go to our third segment because we got a lot to get rid of. Mm. We had, you know, just like we were very trash. I think this is going to be a segment that's going to be pretty consistent, man. I like I the hope, idea. I, I hope not because we got a lot of things <laughs> we got we to we throw out. Um, you know, much like uh, the Duke performance in the first two games, there's a lot of things that we got to throw out. And mm-hmm. so this is the trash bag segment sponsored by Waste Management. Take the garbage out front, son. <laughs> they came by my house today and picked up trash, man. It's, there it's, there it's, you it's, go. It's the right time for this. I hope that you uh, threw in these four projections that we made in uh, <laughs> our first podcast. Ooh, uh, can I, I go I'll, first? Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to give you the four. I'm gonna let you go first. All right, let me get. I just because I just want to throw it out. I just want to do it, and I just want to apologize to everybody. And I just want to say I'm sorry on Twitter for saying that Joey Baker is gonna score 18 points against Michigan State because yeah, it didn't happen. Um, 
I, I don't think my I don't think my intent was bad. I think Michigan State's a bad three point uh, defending team, and I think if Joey was hitting shots, he would probably approach double digits. But you know what? Right now, he's not ready. And like we just kind of talked about in the last segment a little bit, like I don't I don't think you completely bench him. I don't think you completely just cut him out. He's 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 been cut out of the rotation now for two years in a row. Does that mean he's not a good player? I don't know. I don't I don't I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think he's a, a horrible player that shouldn't be playing D one basketball. He is a great shooter that hasn't shown it yet, and I think if we allow him to get his rhythm and get his time in game situations, he will find it. So I, I, I want to see him in games, but I'm, I'm not going to be predicting that he's going to be hitting 18 for us. And and even to ex- to expand on this throwaway, even before the season started, I was saying that I think Joey's going to be our third leading scorer somewhere around 10 or 11 points per game. And, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen this season. But you know what? If he can get us some good shots and help keep space in the floor – eventually then you know what i'm really happy with what we get from um i've seen a lot of people on uh the the message boards compare him to alex murphy and alex o'connell i don't want that comparison i certainly Mm -hmm. understand where it's coming from Mm -hmm. but i think that they're completely different in both in 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 two respects with alex murphy we we constantly say the what the deer in headlights he just he was a he was a gym class all-star, mm-hmm. uh, and then when the lights came on, he he froze. Yeah. Um, Alex O'Connell, God bless him, he had one of the lowest basketball IQs of mm-hmm. any player we've had in the last decade. Yeah. Um, I think that Joey has a high basketball IQ. I think he's a better shooter than both of those guys. Um, and like we, we mentioned have... it before. Joey Joey's more uh, – sorry for cutting you off. Joey's more – he's more Lee Melchione than any of those guys everybody's comparing him to. Lee Melchione came out, he would shoot threes from the corner and maybe rebound a little bit, and that's what he did. And he loved it, and he played that role for four years with with just fervor and energy, and that was him. And I, I think that's Joey. I don't, I don't think he's any more or any less. Yeah, I think people got caught up in the fact that he was a five-star kid that came in early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely threw out his first year because it really wasn't a first year. He didn't right. play three minutes. Uh, and then you have a second year where he did show the ability to come off the bench and be that spark plug in multiple games. Uh, we don't win that game against BC at BC without Joey Baker. There are and the same games. people who are hating on him yeah. now were the ones saying when he was doing that, CK, we told you he should have been doing this, and why didn't he do this with Zion's team? Because we didn't shoot. Why'd you waste yeah. his red shirt? You know what I mean? Right. Like, same people so, saying that stuff are now saying get him off the team. So I don't even want to hear it, man. I don't right, want to hear so from you, them. Right. You gotta you gotta, you know, take a deep breath, step back, and it's okay to make adjustments, but give Joe Joey really at the end of the day is just a sophomore here. He really played, mm-hmm. you know, not even 30 games yet. So like yep. let's take a deep breath here. Um, I love his energy. You know, he did make a couple, you know, tough plays where he was yep. out of position by a half second. You could see that he saw it. He just reacted late, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I, I'm okay with that. I can live with those kind of mistakes. But the reality is nothing different than we said at the beginning. Joey's going to be on the court as long as his shot is going down. If his shot's not going down, then you know he's not going to be there. You know what kind of specialist he is. And so in terms of rotation, yeah, I mean, he'll be there if he's hitting shots, and if not, he won't play. Okay, so let me get to, let me get to mine, um, and I – I got to step back and I got to throw my prediction that Wendell Moore was going to be something that he's not. Um, you know, I thought that, you know, he was going to come in, be this Chris Parallel type of player that, you know, could average 14, 15 a game, you know, five or six rebounds, three or four assists, a couple steals, be that lockdown defender. I haven't seen any of that. 
I got to throw that prediction in the trash and I have to take a, a, a deep breath and step back myself and realize that the way I look at Jordan Goldwire is the same way I need to look at Wendell Moore. And what I mean by that is not the, the type of players they are, but the fact that I clearly, and maybe the staff is, and, and maybe his teammates are, and maybe Wendell himself, are just expecting a little bit more than his game is willing to, to give and produce. And so I just don't get uh, Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just don't think that, you know, that's who Wendell Moore is. And that's mm-hmm. okay. You know, if you say that Wendell Moore is your fourth or fifth, sixth option, then I think that that's just about right. I don't think mm-hmm. that he needs to be, you know, the guy at the end of the game um, when we need a bucket late or at the end of shot clocks or end of halves where we need a bucket late or we can't score for long stretches and we need to get one and he's our guy. I, I, that's just not his role. Uh, you saw the bricks that he was throwing up. It was enough to build another Cameron outdoors. Uh, it's just, it wasn't uh, who he was, and I thought he was forcing it. I do think the light, the lights were too big for him in the sense that he was putting too much pressure on himself. Not the fact that he hasn't been in these positions and done well. It's just that he now expects a little bit more um, than he's willing to give, and I think that he probably played himself into a junior and senior year, which I'm okay with. Yep, and and so am I. And let's we're, I'm gonna look at some stats real quick with Seawall because we keep we we can keep comparing him to Seawall, and I, I don't think we're wrong with it. So we're gonna look at some stuff for a second, but let's just talk about that for a second because you brought up a really really great point. The freshman and Matt Hurt are going to need to help Wendell this season. They're gonna need to help take the pressure off of him because they weren't producing outside of Matt. They weren't producing, and Wendell is doing what a leader does. He he was taking shots. Were they great shots? No, they weren't great shots. But he was still doing what a leader does and trying to help the team win, and I cannot blame him for that. I won't blame him for that. He he did what he needed to do to keep us from losing by 20, quite honestly. But, you know what I mean? It just it wasn't working because that's not who he is yet. And a lot of times you see when a player first takes on a leadership role in the very beginning, then it it's it looks sloppy like they don't they look stressed they don't look good but as they kind of settle into that role when they when they really feel like they have the trust of the staff and they really feel like they have the trust of the other guys on the team you start to see them really settle into who they are like you saw it with that 09 2010 squad with Nolan and Shire and Singler and how they just really became leaders to the young guys like Mason and Miles and Dre and Ryan Kelly and they just really really became those leaders that the team needed and of course Zubac obviously but you saw them settle into that role really, really quickly and really easily because they've been in the program for two and a half years by the time that happened. Wendell's only been in for a year and he's like one of the youngest players on the team. Like he's, he's just, he's not even out of his twenties yet. So like, so let's look at Chris Carwell for a second. As a rookie, Carwell averaged five points, three boards a game. And he was like the seventh option on that squad in 96, 97. After that, his follow-up season, his sophomore season, right here where Wendell is, he averaged 10 a game in terms of points and then 3.7 boards a game. I, I think that is like perfect for where, where Wendell needs to be. And those are like those 10 for Carewell aren't 10 like I'm going to go get those buckets myself points. Those are him scrapping for boards, getting loose balls, getting out in transition and getting easy buckets. And that's that is exactly what we need out of Wendell right now. We don't need him to be the hey, Wendell, we're down. We're in a spot. Go get us a bucket guy. That's not him. Then the following year, with that nasty Alton Brand squad, you got him with nine points a game, five rebounds a game. Like he took a step back off the scoring a little bit because you had all these monster scorers on the team, and he was able to settle into a role that, like, he really, really thrived in that role that season. 
And then by the time he was a senior, 16 points a game, six boards a game. That was, you know, that was his year. His senior season was, I'm a leader. I'm a senior. I've been here for four years. I know how to do this. And if Wendell, if he does stick around for that long, you're going to see that same type of progression for him. That same type of points per game, that same type of rebounds per game, affecting the game in a lot of different areas, not in the stat book, but just in how you play. And I think that's perfect for him. And we talked about it, and I don't think we're wrong about it. Yeah, no, I think that that's accurate. I think we just we saw a couple of games, and I don't usually like to be that guy that overreacts. Um, but in the in the end of the day, maybe we overreacted before the season started to to hearing the the you know preseason scrimmage numbers where he allegedly scored thirty seven. Mm-hmm. Probably the worst thing that could have happened to him. He probably you know his teammates, himself, his coaches probably all thought, oh wow, th- this is a new Wendell. Look. He's going to get better from his first two games. No doubt in my mind about that. But I hope it comes with him taking a little bit of the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, AC, what is your second one? All right, so, so already, like I said, I already, th- I already threw out the, the, the big numbers, Joey Baker. So now i got to throw out that 82-71 number that I put out for us beating Michigan State by 10 points. When when we went up double digits early on, I was like, yeah, look at this, look at this. I got it. And then, oh, man, there it goes. So – I got to toss that one away. And you know what? I That's on me because we've talked about expectations with this team. And we talked about how it's going to be one of those teams that can get better as the season goes on. Maybe not necessarily in the beginning. And we said all of it. And then I still went out there and put that number out. So it's up to me now. You know, I, I got to help us out as Duke fans and everything. Let's not like let's let's not overreact to the other side of this team is trash. But let's also not go. Yeah, every every team we play, we can beat by double digits. So I've been used to that. We've been doing that for the past, you know, decade with all these one and done talents and everything we've been getting in. We don't have that type of squad this year, so it's time to pump the brakes a little bit. We really remind me of, and I put this on Twitter, one of those Kentucky teams that we make fun of all the time as Duke fans that comes out loses to Evansville and loses to South Carolina and loses to Georgia and some of these other squads that you you know you think they should be winning double digits by, and so does Vegas and they end up losing those games. And then by the time the tournament comes around, they look like a very dangerous team that probably will advance to the Elite Eight, if not further. So we look just like one of those squads right now, and I think we give it time and we give it a chance, and I think we can get to that point. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, I think this whole podcast is about pumping the brakes. You know, mm-hmm. I think that we are so spoiled as Duke fans. Oh, yeah. Um, sometimes, sometimes we get in over our season. And the, the funny thing is, is that during a lot of the segments that we've done in the previous podcast, we talked about the limitations or, you know, some of the concerns that we've had. And then we go out there and, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, we're going to beat Michigan. Yeah. No, we're not. We're not going to do yeah. that. We're, we're, we're going to have some growing pains. We know we're going to have. We're just going to be honest about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I can't, can't agree more. Let's finish this one up. Uh, my second one, we kind of touched on it uh, in the last segment. Um you know, I fully expected this to be very similar to last year where uh, the rotation was going to be 9, 10, even 11 deep. You know, you heard Kay talk about that uh, mm-hmm. in preseason press conferences where he expects this team to be very deep. A lot of, you know, rotational guys can fit in um, at any given moment. I don't see that after, after two games. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is blowing it out of proportion and I'm uh, being completely hypocritical of what I just said. Uh, and taking too much after after two games, but look, what I see is Kay understanding uh, who his team is, and mm-hmm. maybe he said what he said before the season started. But I see what his actions are. 
you are going to see Patrick Tape get his chance. You will see uh-huh. Henry Coleman get his chance. You will uh-huh. see a little bit more of Mark Williams, but they are going to be on short leashes. We know how Kay is. I don't see this being more than on each game at maximum. And really the wild card here is if Joey Baker is sending his shots, he's the eighth guy. Otherwise, it's a six, seven man rotation. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I think I think we have a solid six or seven, and we've talked about it. And I think again, I, I, maybe I'm biased, but I think we are right about it. We have specialists, and we have guys that we we said are not going to play every game. And then there's some games they're going to look like stars. So the that group in the like that group in the back with Joey, Mark, Henry, and Patrick. You're gonna see games where we need those guys and need what they can what they can give us, and they are that's that's eight through eleven right there. And yeah, you're right. I think most games we're gonna see us play seven or eight. And but we have here's the thing about depth: we have eleven guys available to do something if we need it. That being said, it has to happen in practice, and Kay has to see it in his mind and his vision for what the game plan is coming up, he has to be able to see it and and see a chance for it to happen. Because if the other guys aren't taking care of what they need to take care of, then then some of those other guys can't do what they need to do. It's the same thing. Like it's the same thing for Wendell. If the, if the other guys aren't taking care of scoring, then what's he, what else is he to do but drive? You know what I mean? So it's like the same thing here. Like if we're not hitting our shots, if we're not playing well, if we're not giving ourselves a chance in games, then you, you kind of can't see some guys come in the game because some of the things that we may or may not need, they can't offer it. Like Mark and Henry can't offer three-point shooting when we need that. Joey can't offer rim-stopping protection and defense when we need that. So it's like when they when when our team can't even handle that side of the ball, it's tough to make the decision to put those other guys in. So I get it. I get where Kay's coming from with it. I understand it from a coaching standpoint. I've had to do it myself. But it's 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 just one of those things that in practice – they are going to have to show it's it's a twofold thing. They have to show that they can do it, and then you have to believe as the coach that they can do it. And that that, that belief is not definitely not there yet. And I think it will be. We're two games in. We have until March. It will be there. But I would love to see it early because I want to see this team build some kind of of repetition. Like Andre Dawkins talked about on his podcast uh, with Nolan Smith. He was saying that as a freshman, he knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew that at the first TV timeout, he's coming in for Nolan, and then Nolan's coming in for John, and then John's coming back in for Dre, and then Dre may or may not see the floor after that. And he was like, I was cool with that as a freshman. I understood that role. It was great for me, and it worked because I knew exactly what I was going to do. So these young guys need that same type of feeling, and it's going to take a little little bit of time. Yeah, and so we're going to find out tomorrow night, 7 p.m. on the ACC Network extra duke is going to play bellarmine i think i called him bellevue or something earlier <laughs> i mean that's just going to show you you know how much i know about an ac educator audience who are these guys <laughs> the the bellarmine knights i believe they uh i don't know much about them other than they are a new d1 team as of this season we played them back in 2011 2012 with the austin river seth curry squad we beat them 87 to 62, and if my recall is correct, that actually was a pretty ugly game for us. It was in an exhibition. It was a pretty ugly game for us, very similar to this season where we're trying to break a lot of new guys in, trying to get them into that that mode of winning and everything, and, and it was a tough game for us, but we won. But it was like one of those games where you saw it and you're like, this team has some problems. And you know what? We see that now this early in the season, so 
honestly, I, I have no expectations out of this game other than let's win. All right. And I don't even know. Like, I guess one of the things I want to see is if they play small ball against us, which they kind of will. I want to see if Henry and Mark can be on the floor against a small ball team. They're not a good, it's not like they're a good small ball team, but at least it's a team that's quick and runs and we can put our bigs out on the floor and see if they can even handle that type of pressure. And, and then maybe moving forward, that kind of gives somebody some belief that they belong on the floor because that's, I think that'd be big. So like, give me, give me Duke. I feel like the score is probably going to be very similar to what it was in that 2011, 12 season. 87-62, so I'm just going to copy and paste and just put that in. Yeah, you know, it's going to be very interesting. They do actually have uh, a roster full of, you know, some bigger guys than I would have expected. Two guys mm-hmm. are 6'10", uh, a handful of guys 6'7", 6'8". So they do have some size, uh, and this is their first D1 game, I guess. So mm-hmm. um, no clue what to expect from them. But then again, you know, I don't know what to expect from Duke except that uh, I think they were going to go with that different starting lineup, uh, like we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Brayfield is going to get his first start, and I'd like to see him continue to trend upwards. And if he does, then I'm going to feel confident about what... Dude, if Jamie goes out and drops 20, I'm going to freak the fuck out. All right. So uh, <laughs> if you ever needed, a reason that, ever needed a reason to watch the Bellarmine uh, Knights tip it off uh, is, uh, to see if uh, Jamie Brayfield drops his first 20 point uh per game uh number but mm-hmm. i will i will i will say that i think that it will be very similar give me 81 to um uh, 81 to 65 um you know i just want to see what duke does and i'm 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 more concerned with you know cutting down the turnovers not playing sloppy bring your own energy because guess what tuesday night 9 30 p.m we play on the mothership on espn Against Illinois, Illinois just lost to Baylor, um, so we're both coming off, uh, you know, some tough top ten losses. But what do you expect us to do against a pretty tough, mm-hmm. uh, highly rated Illinois team? So they play, they play seven guys. They return a lot of their scoring, just like Michigan State, right? So Michigan State returned fifty-one percent of their scoring from last year. We only returned thirty percent. So again, like it's all season long, we're going to be playing this game of experience versus these guys haven't done it before. So this is the same story. Illinois, man, is a big, strong, just manly team that is going to get after it on the boards. I mean, Kobe Cogburn is is a just monster. Like, he's just he's, he's a nasty monster. Like, there's no other way to put it. So we will not survive if Matt and Jalen and Jamin have to try to hold their own down in the paint. Like we just, we won't survive because Jamin's going to be in foul trouble. Matt's going to be in foul trouble and Jamin will too. And we're not going to grab a single rebound. So like, like Bellarmine is going to be the test to see if we can get Mark and Henry on the floor because we need them against Illinois. We really truly do need some minutes from them to, to kind of help out. And, and, and then you got, you got the Sunmu who is just a scoring sensation so we got to be able to manufacture points. And again, this is one of those games where it's going to be super important for us to score more, take more field goal attempts than they do. We have to take more field goal attempts than them. So I, I don't know if we'll make that happen. The, uh, quite honestly, like this is the exact opposite of how I felt after before Michigan State. Now, after that game happened, but I, I don't think we'll get blown out of the water. I don't. But I don't know that we can win this game without any kind of like cohesive test under our belts yet like so I, th- I think it'll be close again and i think it'll be low lower scoring because they like to slow it down a little bit more so 
Give me give me like Illinois seventy and give me Duke sixty five. Yeah, that's uh, very sobering. Um, I think that uh, it's going to be very tough uh, if, if we start going down that path where you know Matthew Hart is um, you know the only guy that is kind of manning that five. Uh, we're, we're in trouble. Um, they are very good defensively. Uh, obviously. Baylor still put up 82 on them, but I, I think that, um, you know, they're a little older than we are. They're they're a team that was firing on all cylinders last year, so it's not that surprising. Um, but I'm with you. I, I don't see us winning this game. Uh, I've never thought in a million years that I would pick two out of three games for Duke um, in any season, uh, let alone this one, that we would lose this early. Uh, but I do think that we lose. Um, I don't think it will be particularly – you know, close per se for, for, for a Duke game. I think um, 77 to 68 is probably what it'll end up being. Uh, maybe we get a little push at the very end, um, show some fight. I think that's all you can ask for if you're a coach. Yep. Uh, but I think that's what it's going to be. I think we got to be honest. Um, I hope that I'm wrong. But uh, that's where we are right now. This is the Truth Podcast today, man. Yeah, look, you know, hey, look. You know, when, when we're playing well, we said this last year, when we're playing well, it's easy to be a Duke fan. It's easy to be on Instagram, you know, making all these funny posts about UNC and, uh, you know, them losing every single game that they tip it off. But uh, shout out to the Texas Longhorns. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But uh, the reality is, look, we got to take care of business first. We got to take mm-hmm. care of our stuff uh, before we can start casting any shades on anybody else. And with that being said, have a good weekend, everybody. Go Duke. Go Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at Five Point Play Podcast. That's the number Five Point Play Podcast. And on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. Go Duke!